Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds for the special series to discuss women in STEM. Can you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Well, thanks for having me on this series. Um, I'm Radha Nihalcha. I'm a, a professor of computer science. I work primarily in natural language processing, which is a subfield of AI. Um, I also direct the Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, and I'm also a co-founder and co-director of Girls Included, which is a series of initiatives um, in computer science to encourage more diversity in computing. Can you tell me about the mission of the lab and some of the types of studies that are conducted there? So the mission of the lab is to advance both the um, foundations and applications of AI. And it's a lab that encompasses a broad number of areas within the field. And so we have studies ranging from computer vision to natural language processing, robotics, cognitive architectures, speech, graph representations, of course, machine learning, both foundational and applied. So it's a very wide range of um, areas that we address. And as I said, it's both advancing the state of the art in terms of methodologies um, that will solve new problems um, and also advancing applications of these methodologies to, to different fields. I'm really curious about the individuals who are involved in the lab and how you engage and recruit them to be a part of the lab. So we have in the lab um, right now around uh, 20 faculty, and this includes tenure track, also teaching faculty and research faculty. And we have close to 100 PhD students who work on various areas in AI. Um, there are several postdoctoral fellows, and um, there are also a number of master students and undergraduate students who work with faculty, with um, PhD students. Um, and generally, it's, it's going both ways in the sense of, for instance, students being interested in exploring uh, different problems within AI and approaching either faculty or graduate students or the other way where faculty would recruit students. Um, and I would also mention that we work uh, closely with a number of departments, just to mention a few. We have close collaborations with Michigan Medicine, uh, with the School of Public Health, with the School of Information, with various departments within social sciences um, and many, many other departments. Um, and so we also have people who are either affiliated with the lab or um, collaborate with people in the lab um, who are from other disciplines. Um, we also have outreach to industry and startups in the area. There are several initiatives that are ongoing. Um, I would mention, for instance, AI for All, which is a, it's a national initiative and we have a branch here at Michigan, but there is um, a two week camp in summer where students, primarily girls and underrepresented groups um, from high school uh, will spend two weeks with us to learn about AI. 
Timidale Tavali initiatives under Girls in Coded. And there are a number of events happening on an ongoing basis, even now during the digital world, um, like symposia, seminars, um, there is Friday Night AI, which specifically has this goal of reaching to the local community. We used to hold it at the, at the library. Uh, now the most recent events were online, where it's really open to the entire community to come and have a conversation with the researchers. I want to dive into some of your research. Can you explain a little bit about your work into natural language processing, multimodal processing, and computational social sciences? I would say my, really my starting point and foundation resides in the natural language processing. Um, and the work that my lab and I have been doing recently in computational social science um, is an expansion of that into social sciences, the intersection between natural language processing and social sciences. Multimodal processing, similarly, it's natural language processing plus computer vision, physiological sensing, and so forth. And a lot of the work we do has humans at the center. So it's this very technically nature. Um, we create new methodologies to explore different uh, phenomena or sort of problems, uh, but keeping humans at the center. And just to give some examples, um, there is work that we've been doing to build computational models that would allow us to understand cultural differences between different groups of people um, that uh, would allow us to build um, systems that would understand conversations around health, like counseling conversations uh, or between patients and um, healthcare providers that will even attempt to generate some short text all with the goal of both understanding um, and helping settings that are human-centric. And so we make advances both in terms of core uh, methodologies in natural language processing, as well as in terms of taking these methodologies and apply them to, to different fields. Like for instance, in social sciences to gain a deeper understanding of human behavior, um, in health to um, develop technologies that would with different um, situations around, around health, dialogue and, and so on. So since the pandemic started, we sort of pivoted some of the work that we are doing to try to help with um, the current situation. And there are two, there are several projects happening in the iLab in that direction of AI for in relation to COVID-19. Um, and it's specifically in, in my lab, um, we had two projects, one which is a dialogue system trying to assist people with um, anxiety. So having a conversation that's led by the system to get people to think through the situation they are in, what are still some, some of the silver lining of the, the pandemic, what are things to look forward to. Um, and that's a system that's online and was motivated by, um, by the pandemic. And then there is another study where we look at mental health and how that has been evolving since the beginning of the pandemic using what we know how to do, like natural language processing at scale. So applying to a large number of collections. And that's something that not only my lab, but the ALM brought in. In general, I know many other labs will do to try to bring what we know to um, assist with current situations like uh, COVID. 
what led you to focus on this area and become an expert in you know these topics and focus your research and the lab what what brought you to this topic starting from sort of earlier times um, I've always enjoyed languages I grew up in a place where I've been just naturally exposed to different languages so I had the passion for that uh, since early age and I also like math um, and algorithmical thinking. And so natural language processing was a natural confluence of, of that, like something that will bring together both computational methods, computational thinking, um, and natural languages. Now, a lot of the work that we do, like I said, is focused on humans. And that I would say it's also a reflection of not, not only my own, also my students' um, interest in, in people, like people behavior, understanding people, assisting, um, with various situations, like we mentioned earlier, the pandemic, uh, but seeing to what extent we can use our technologies to assist in social context. And so the, a lot of the focus that we have, which is natural language processing around humans, is, is motivated by that. I'm curious what you find to be one of the most rewarding aspects of your work. Well, actually, maybe repeating myself a little bit, but it's really gaining a deeper understanding of humans. Um, I think we can contribute to that. And of course, there are other disciplines that have that focus as well, like in the social sciences. I think there are different angles that we can take by being able to do this um, computationally. So we can perhaps sift through a larger number of words or different languages. And it really helps us gain a deeper understanding of who we are as human beings. I mentioned the cross-cultural comparisons we've been doing, uh, but there are other applications we've been working on, like for instance, understanding when people lie and why they lie, uh, or when people are stressed or experiencing certain emotions. So that's one thing that I'm really fascinated by, like who we really are as human beings and how is that something that we can find out through the lens of language. And I'm also very motivated by doing something that make, makes a difference in people's lives. And I think a lot of the work that we do can be in fact applied to practical settings that would make a difference um, in different disciplines. I'm wondering if you have had any experiences throughout your journey or faced any challenges or have any major achievements that you were proud of that you can share with our audience? Well, I think throughout my my journey is really interactions with people that were sort of the, the highlights. I always had a wonderful relation with, with my students and working closely with them. Um, and I give a lot of the credit for um, the thing that we've been doing um, to the students, but that has been a, a major highlight. There also in terms of I think achievements, one thing that um, I'm quite fond of as a memory is having met President Obama. That's uh, something that um, was during a award that I got some years back, the presidential award for early career scientists and engineers. And that was one achievement that I'm proud of. And in general, I think being able to, just thinking back where I was during the times in under East European bloc, which was really during communist times. Um, and it was fairly typical for people not to really be um, financially very stable or have a lot of financial needs, which was the case of my family as well. And 
from there to where I am right now, not because it's me, but I, it's, it's really, so I think if you really want and um, are passionate about something, uh, pretty much anything can, can be achieved. And that's true regardless of gender, gender, um, ethnicity, or any sort of demographic variables, this kind of achieving sort of pretty much anything you put your mind to. What do you feel are some of the best ways that we can encourage and recruit more women and girls to pursue work in STEM-related fields? I think it's sharing the big picture of the field. There are some stereotypical views out there that, for instance, taking computer science is one of the STEM fields that is all about programming, possibly in a dark basement all day long without meeting anyone. Um, and I think it's actually the wrong stereotype. It's really not what the field is. I'm, I don't know that I'm doing that that often. Um, so I was seeing the big picture of what really the field entails with respect to what you do if you have a career in that field um, and also the implications. So what you do, who's being impacted, what role would you play? Um, so I think that is something that generally really motivates a lot of people. I mean, not only women, but really uh, a lot of people are motivated by that. Except that in a number of cases, computer science, I think being a very typical example of that, the stereotypical views out there are not a very good representation of what actually the field is. So exposing people to what really it means um, to be in the STEM field, what different careers would look like, uh, possibly by providing opportunities to meet with role models, people who've been successful in, in that field. I think those, those are things that have been found to, to work well. There is room for a lot more. Um, as we know, again, taking computer science as an example, um, the gender ratio, it's pretty abysmal. Things have been changing for the better in recent years. I'm optimistic about the upward trend um, and I'm looking forward to a few years from now where, where we see uh, many more women joining the field because it's really exciting and it's really very impactful in terms of how many people can be um, can be impacted by work that one would do in the field. You've shared a few you know, motivational pieces throughout our conversation, but to wrap up, I wanted to ask if you have any additional advice or words of wisdom to share with those who are beginning their journey into STEM programs? So one thing that, aside from everything I said, like don't fall for stereotypes, look for the big picture. One thing that motivates me um, is to also see this as, like I'm part of a mission and I think other women joining should see themselves as such. Um, if they choose, for instance, to not enter the field because of a variety of reasons, like either being discouraged or sometimes being put down, it does happen. Really the effect of that is that other women will not see them um, as being successful. So if you see yourself as being part of a mission, I'm here, I want to make a difference, assuming you would enjoy what you do, um, not giving up with those reasons in mind, because others then will see you as a role model, will eventually choose to enter the field because we'll see you. So you can sort of spread that um, more correct information about what the field really is. Um, so that's that's one, like 
seeing yourself as a role model, like you can become a role model. And so it's, it's important for you to stick with the things, despite challenges and move on. And then you will be part of this, like changing the face of the field. Um, and then the other also thinking of the implications of these STEM fields. And again, zooming in on computer science, but the same is true for others. You say an entire slice of demographics, say all women will choose not to do that. It really means that all the technologies that are being built are built by the other part of the population. Um, and so that's, again, in terms of impact it has, and it's not because anyone would be ill-intended, it will just imply that will be technology that's built by say half of the population and which is not representative just because of the life experience we have. So again, part of the mission would be that Again, assuming that you enjoy the field, you really have an opportunity to make a difference, like to bring your own life experiences and build tools that are eventually better because are created by a more diverse pool of people. So we shouldn't really leave all these technologies being built to just sort of half or a quarter of the population. Uh, but, um, and those are things that personally I'm very motivated by them. So it's not just my own individual persona and say whether I'm encouraged or discouraged by what I see, but really seeing the bigger picture. Um, am I inspiring others to enter the field? Am I contributing to something and making sure that it's actually representative of the population as opposed to being just representative of a small fraction? Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.